You're listening to the Tech Execs Podcast, and we're in part two of a three-part series. We're calling this series Don't Lift and Shift and Stop, because when you're moving to the cloud, it's more than just about moving. It's a chance to innovate. And in today's session, we're talking about how you can benefit from replatforming your applications and your infrastructure. Let's do this. Three, two, one. Hey everyone, I'm Eric Clark. And I'm Brian Schuster. And we are your host for the Tech Execs podcast. Hey, welcome to session number five. This is part two of our uh, series that we're doing called Don't Lift and Shift and Stop. Today we're talking about replatforming your applications and infrastructure. It's going to be a great session. We got lots of stuff planned, lots of good insights. Lots of good questions for you out there. Yes. Brian, how are you doing today? I'm doing pretty well. I actually wanted to use this time to talk about a, a new service I just saw with AWS that kind of shows how AWS is thinking about their platform. Because they started off doing basically just compute, storage, and light variations of that. And now they're actually moving to kind of full-blown services. So I was in the council the other day working on another project, and all of a sudden I saw something called AWS Connect show up. Just oh, like yeah. I, I refreshed the screen and this new icon just showed up on my page. And it turns out it is a call center as a service. In the cloud. Full call center. Right. In the cloud. And do that. And I'm actually, I researched a little bit into it. And apparently it's the same call center service that Amazon uses internally themselves. But apparently it's more than just the routing software. It's a drag and drop interface to tell you when somebody calls and they click a certain button, it goes from point A to B to C. And then you eventually get to a person. Now, I think you still have to hire your own people and you have your own call center. It's the software that sits on top of it. That's the innovation. But you're seeing this more and more with Amazon come in where they're deciding that, okay, we won the compute storage, you know, raw hardware game. Right. Now it's time to start using these services and get more into it. Yeah, that, it's just really interesting to see. Amazon innovating and taking uh, pieces of what they already use and kind of building these incredible services out, mm -hmm. out of them. So that's really cool. Uh, what, we're, what we'll do is we'll post a note about or a link to Amazon Connect uh, just so you can check it out for yourself and, and just see what it is. Hey, let's dive into our main topic today. Uh, so we had a listener question talking about how and why should I move to newer, more cost-effective uh, solutions in the cloud? And this has to do more around replatforming. Uh, than just kind of moving your infrastructure from point A to point B. So that's what we've kind of structured our content around today. And uh, Brian, why don't you kick us off on sort of the, uh, the details of what you want to talk about today. So as a disclaimer for this episode, we want to mention that even though we talk very heavily about AWS because Eric and I are both AWS Solution Architect certified, that this is not exclusive to AWS. We've deployed these solutions inside Azure, even some of the more innovative solutions inside Azure for our clients. So we just want to caution that just because we're talking about AWS, it's only because we are more familiar with these specific services, even though we know for a fact that these have one-to-one -one parallels inside Azure. So today we want to discuss the situation you go into after you've moved in your team has gotten comfortable using the cloud. Maybe even some of these guys have gone into, you know, gone to reInvent. Your team is excited about the different services, and you're wondering, how do I get additional benefits out of that? How do I get, instead of getting a marginal benefit, how do I start getting those 10% increases, 20% increases, and start really 
getting the benefit out of what the cloud can offer. So we have three questions for you to ask your team and to drive as an executive, all tied to three different disciplines, specifically brought down by the cloud innovation. So starting off, we're gonna talk about the first big one, namely, number one, how can we decrease the number of servers our organization has to maintain? So okay. this is a, you know, something that really wasn't possible before cloud, because if you think about your own data center, if you want to run a service like a SQL server or some sort of application, you had to purchase a server to be able to run that on. And you had to run an OS, whether or not it's Linux or Windows, you had to hire the administrators to be able to run those boxes right. just to be able to run those applications. But when you go into the cloud, all of a sudden now you have the option, how do I decrease the total number of servers my team has to maintain uh, across the board? And that is actually, you know, a cloud offering that fixes that is AWS managed services or just managed services, where AWS in cloud managers, cloud platforms, are offering a service where they will manage the OS, they manage all the underlying infrastructure, but from your perspective, all you're doing is just managing the top layer. So a clear example of this is uh, probably the most common cloud service um, our organization helps manage, um, RDS, you know, relational database service from Amazon. Mm -hmm. So back, go back to your data center. If you wanted to run SQL Server or Oracle, Postgres, or even MySQL, you had to first install an operating system, you had to provision a server, and then once you got that provision and had the people to be able to maintain it, build that server on top of that. Well, if you move over to AWS or Azure, all of a sudden you can provision just SQL or just Oracle and be able to completely wipe out that infrastructure cost of having to manage that operating system. Yeah, and here's the really cool thing about that service. Uh, specifically with RDS, uh, you have multi-availability zone redundancy built in. Click of a button, right? Do you want multi-AZ support? Check the box and turn it on. It's incredible. Uh, the backups, it's, it's more of a configuration item. And less of a, well, an administrator has to go in and set up backup jobs and all that from scratch. You have all of that stuff as a managed service ready at your disposal to go and point and click in the console, set it up, and, and get running with it. Yeah, and every single one of those button clicks represents another server that you would have had to spin up maintain yeah. have somebody watch it put whatever monitoring software you had in it and then finally the actual system you really care about on right. that particular system and be able to run it so eric what are some common services outside of rds where you kind of have that paradigm shift yeah there's so many services i think one worth mentioning is uh backups it's really simple to configure your backup strategy out in Amazon using S3. So you, if you want to back up your application servers or your RDS instances and uh, take snapshots, you can configure all of that programmatically uh, within Amazon and say, yeah, I want to take weekly backups and retain them for six months at a time and have a rolling schedule like you would normally do. doesn't take long to set up, and it's there, and it's kind of set it and forget it once you do it. Mm -hmm. um, another one is load balancers. So not only do you have uh, load balanced uh, on a server level, but you also can do application level uh, load balancing. So if you want to 
carve off your application traffic from a web standpoint and, and load balance it that way and take your database traffic and load balance it that way, you no longer have to tie that to uh, specific servers that run those functions. You can separate that out, decouple it even further with the application load balancers. So that's pretty cool. And that's actually a brand new service. Yeah, and even going further into you know, just different services. I mean, if you want to, you have a utility box that just runs small functions that run every once in a while, but they have to run at that particular time. You have a service like AWS Lambda, which is specifically designed to do scripting yeah. in, you know, Python, Node, just that needs to do some small backup process at the rate that you'd be using it at, it at for a utility purpose. It's virtually free to do. So it almost makes you know sense to stop there, take a look at that can handle some of that, and reduce another server inside your organization. Right. Um, in addition, you have things like API Gateway that can act as a go-between between your application server as well as your you know standard servers that are or standard databases that are sitting out there. You can touch all those points with inside AWS, and there's another service that you can offload to AWS. If you want to go even further, if you're running NoSQL or like MongoDB or that type of solution, you could actually look into DynamoDB, which is just a managed service to run NoSQL databases in the cloud to be able to increase another server. Every single time you look at a service and you off-put it to AWS, that represents a decrease in a server, a decrease in an operating system, a decrease, you know, a decrease in the chance of something going wrong at a level that's unrelated to your application, allowing your team just to focus on those services, resulting in higher efficiency and decreased cost. All right. What about the second question here? So the second question we consider here is how can I decrease the number of man hours necessary to be able to complete a task? Mm, interesting one. So, yeah. So we talked about servers, but now how do we decrease man hours? Okay. And in that realm, we talk, you know, at least when we talk to our clients, we talk about how do we automate processes or how do we introduce automation into our pipeline? So when we talk about automation and applications, the standard process that usually happens on a deployment night, at least in organizations that I've been part of in the past is, everything kind of shuts down, everyone goes to, you know, an all hands on deck type, you know, process. But instead of just testing the application, there's lots of different little steps that have to take place in order for a deployment to be able to work. Yeah. So if you are doing a non-automated process inside AWS, often somebody sitting at a console, putting in one script, executing it, watching it run, then putting in another script, executing it, watching it run, you know, watching it run, making sure that every single step operates in that particular manner. And when you have physical boxes and physical servers that don't exist in kind of this, you know, cloud, you know, this cloud kind of conjoined process, that's kind of necessary because somebody yeah. needs to go into one box, then another, then another, then another. Right. But now because everything exists in AWS and everything exists as essentially API endpoints, there have been a myriad of services to come fill that void to be able to say, Hey, instead of having to run all these scripts on these three different boxes, all you have to do is run this one script. So instead of having to go in and basically run 10 or so different scripts, you spend your time focusing on how do I get this one script to do exactly what I need it to. 
So I'll, I'll give you an example for one of the clients that I've recently worked with. So they implemented a new automation process um, about a year and a half ago that has worked pretty well for them. Um, before this, they were in AWS and they were in the cloud, but when they had to automate, when they had to deploy application code to the cloud, somebody was sitting in a console and VPNing into different boxes and basically manually you know, pushing code out. So it would be take one developer, somewhere between four and eight hours or a team of developers, two or three hours to get the application pushed up. So after they moved to their automation process, they went from having multiple people over several hours to one developer scripting in advance and then literally pressing one button and being done in 20 minutes. That's wow. the type of advantage you get by that's looking incredible. into your automation process. Yeah, that's, you know, that's a good question to ask. If you're replatforming and you're kind of in this mindset of how do I innovate now that I'm there, you really need to be asking the question about what is my continual integration, continual de deployment process look like? And we probably don't have enough time to go into the specific tooling and all that kind of stuff that's out there. Um, but you should be asking the question, what does that look like for my organization? Am I spending too much time in my deployment cycles? Are there too many people involved when the ability to automate is readily available if you just spend some time up front kind of thinking about what that looks like for your organization? So second question was, how do I decrease the number of man hours necessary to complete normal tasks? First question talked about how do I decrease the number of servers? The third question is, how do I decrease the number of hours needed to get my infrastructure in a stable configuration? This is slightly related to the previous question with automation, but it focuses on a different part of the infrastructure. Namely, instead of focusing on the application layer, you're focusing on the base structure inside AWS, the objects that everything else runs into. And that's a process we call development operations. Right. This is the process of starting to open up your permissions to different parts of the organization and allowing them to script their own codes so that when somebody needs to deploy a dev server for testing or somebody needs to go and do a, you know, wants to test out a serverless architecture build and figure out the best practices for everyone else in the organization, instead of having someone build out a Word document that basically documents out follow step A, B, C, and D, you can pass around scripts to everyone inside the organization and say, this is the company's best practice for a server with everything included. You can include the things to make it easy for permissioning, easy for billing, and looking into that. But if you're not doing dev operations, what's often happening is it takes many, you know, it takes multiple people over different departments communicating over email or going to somebody else's desk and basically wasting time from the actual process of going out, deploying a server, doing the test, you know, test whatever configuration they're looking at whatever application or whatever cost-saving measure that they're trying to implement for your organization and instead spending it on unnecessary processes internally. So yeah, Brian, that's a great point too. And I think uh, the other valid uh, point here for this particular question is um, you should be writing your infrastructure as code. And by that, uh, there's several tools. Again, we don't have time to go into the specific details, but um, AWS has cloud formation, um, and you can also use some third-party tools called Terraform. 
uh, and there's a handful of others, right? But at the heart of it, it is versioned code that deploys your infrastructure in minutes. So um, if you're not already asking the question about, you know, how do I make my infrastructure more stable, more secure, more resilient, if you have some kind of catastrophic failure in your cloud environment, uh, you should never be in a position where you have to go point and click in the console to go recreate all of your infrastructure. You should have it versioned in a Git repository somewhere who's and somebody owns uh, versioning your infrastructure, and they're able to go deploy and run the script and have your entire infrastructure stood up across multiple regions within a matter of minutes. That's something that's really incredible that you know, you, you really shouldn't have a lot of resources around kind of managing your, re, your infrastructure in that sense. You know, you've got it coded, it's there, it's backed up, it's versioned. Um, so you can also see how it evolves over time, right? Uh, which is also kind of a byproduct of, of doing it that way. So to give a quick definition of development operations, it is essentially taking the processes that would have been actual physical steps that somebody would have taken in your operation team, whether or not it's spinning up a server or granting permissions to someone internally and scripting it out in code like you would for an application. So it's the marriage between hardware operation processes and application scripting to make this new area where you have versioned code. Because it is a shift, right? You're infrastructure team today in a data center, traditional data center where you're provisioning things, they don't they're not developers. So the in the new world though, your your infrastructure team has to understand Git repositories and checking out code and making changes via code to your infrastructure, right? That's different. That's different. Now it's an incredibly different process from the way things used to be handled, but ultimately a much more controlled process and a lot better yeah because because the end goal way safer for one thing yeah the end goal of a solid development operations process is to be able to tear down your entire infrastructure and build it up in what should be a couple of hours some of those things are going to go faster than others but essentially that's what you're trying to do and so as you're leading your team and you're in the cloud and you're thinking how do i get more Focus on these three questions and ultimately these three disciplines to try to get more out of your particular infrastructure organization. So the three questions you should be asking to lead your technical organization is number one, how do I continue to decrease the number of servers my organization has to maintain? Number two, how can I decrease the number of man hours necessary to complete routine tasks inside my organization? And number three, how can I decrease the number of physical hours necessary to get to a stable configuration inside my infrastructure? Yeah, absolutely. And you know what? We hope that all of this content really uh, helps add value and uh, helps you figure some things out as you uh, move to the cloud. And uh, hey, we would just want to thank everybody for joining us today and listening. We're really honored uh, that you took time to listen to us wherever you are. And you know what? We would really love to hear from you. Let's get some feedback. Um, we want uh, to hear from our listeners, uh, really to help drive the topics that we discuss on this podcast. So send us an email at answers at the techexecs.com. 
and we will tackle all of those questions and ideas um, as you send them over there. So we'll check that email and would love to hear from you. And you can also check us out on Twitter at the Tech Execs. And be sure to visit our website today for show notes and comments about this episode. We actually have a, another visualization uh, that we found from AWS that really helps you know, capture what you're trying to do in these separate processes in addition to the questions we asked. So just go to thetechexecs.com slash session five and we'll have summarizations of all the takeaways we discussed today uh, during this episode. So thank you so much for stopping in this week. Next week, we are going to be discussing the aspirational side of moving to the cloud. So today we gave you some very practical, very down-to-earth questions to ask. But if you really want to get that 10x return, where you're really pushing the limit of what the cloud can offer, next week we're going to be discussing how do we completely tear down our infrastructure and rebuild it from the ground up using the latest technologies. You're not going to want to miss it. Yes, it's going to be awesome. Looking forward to this one. Thanks, Brian. Thanks, everyone. Have a great week. We'll see you next week. Thank you.